Welcome back to the Multipod. It's a pleasure to be with you today. My name's Ted. I'm your host for this episode, and I'm pleased to be joined by Allison, who is coming to us live from Alaska. Allison, how are you doing? Great, Ted. How are you? Very good. This is uh, nice to have you on the show. Allison and I have connected uh, recently in a mastermind business entrepreneurs kind of group that's with a few of us. Certainly built out of the putty verse, but uh, we've kind of branched out to have our own little kind of side group. And so we've we've connected that way, just sharing our, our various business ideas and, and helping each other out. Uh, if you're familiar with mastermind concept, that's that's basically it, is trying to get people together who are basically in a in a common place in their, their lives, probably business related, to help each other out and, and share that journey. So so that's what brought us together. But you know, as we always talk about on this show, it's um an objective of ours to simply get to know people in in the puttyverse and hear about their backstory and how they found our community and um and what makes them tick. So that's what we'll do today with uh, Allison. So how's the weather over there in Alaska? <laughs> it has been sunny all week, which right. is so nice. It's warm enough for me to wear a jacket while sitting in the driveway in the sun. Okay. Are you right in Anchorage? Yes. Yeah. Well, I haven't been to Alaska yet. I've been as far as kind of northern British Columbia, but uh, it's on my list. I'd love to get up there someday. Have Are you from Alaska originally? I am. Nice. I think that Northern British Columbia is actually prettier than most of Alaska, but Alaska is <laughs> yeah. Cool. So this is one thing I'd love to learn some more about because what's the perspective from people in Alaska on the rest of, I suppose, the continent? I mean, I, for one thing, I would think it's interesting because you have like the whole country of Canada, at least the Western part, in between, you know, your state and the rest of the United States. So that's probably plays part of the psychology, I guess, of being of place and where you are. But I mean, what's the perspective from Alaska on, say, the rest of North America? Does it seem, do you feel remote being up there? I only feel remote if I travel to the rest of the United States, then I feel how strange we are. I think (laughs) we identify more with Canada than we do the rest of the U.S., so we call the rest of the U.S. the lower 48, or we simply say the states. Right. That's what we say, too. <laughs> and we're so huge that you have to drive like a day to even get to Canada, to a border. Yeah. But it's strange in the states because you drive a few hours and you're in another state, and yeah. it's mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even for Canadians, unless unless you live, I suppose, in eastern Canada where the provinces are smaller, it's it's pretty rare to you know, see other provinces quickly unless you're right on the border. So yeah, we can relate to that for sure. You'd have to drive up. Do you have to drive up to Fairbanks and then over into Yukon to drive back down? No, we can head more east. Okay. So we have to go north a little bit, but just east. Do you feel very connected to the rest of your own country then, generally speaking? Uh, No, <laughs> not at all. Um, I have family all over the place, so I travel there a whole lot all over. But it's almost like visiting a foreign country Wow! because every every area is just so different. Mm -hmm. Well, pre-COVID, I travel out of Alaska at least once a year. Okay. Partially to visit family, partially to kind of not get cabin fever. Mm. But that's kind of also just me. I like to travel and explore. Yeah. Post-COVID, I traveled last month for the first time in almost two years. Nice. I was due to travel, and then um, 
COVID hit. So we just kind of canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you go? To Seattle. To see my sister. Seattle's very nice too. <laughs> it was also very different. We still have about a foot of snow at my house. Hmm. And it's springtime. And we went to Seattle and it was green grass. Yeah. My kid didn't want to come back. <laughs> Which is largely the case there year round, at least in Seattle. Mm-hmm. You don't get too much snow. Um, one last question about Alaska. So you're being so far north. What are the days like in, in the summer? How warm does it get and how late does the sun stay up? Right now, we're already in really big contrast to Seattle because when I was there last month or just a couple weeks ago, it was dark, like black outside at about 8. Hmm. And here, our sun is setting at about 9.30 p.m. Okay. already. Yeah. And it never gets completely dark until about September. It'll get dark at night. Okay. And does it get very warm? Of course, we have this image of Alaska. It's always cold and uh, rarely above, what, 60 or 70 Fahrenheit or something. But what's it like in the summer? Um, about 60, 70 Fahrenheit <laughs> <laughs> summer. But it's pleasant. It's very pleasant. Yeah. I love it. Nice. Cool. Well, now you joined the Putty Verse, I think it's about a year ago, wasn't it? Last April or so, something like that. This month is my one year anniversary. There you go. About it. How did you discover the group? I discovered Emily from another podcast, a career change podcast, hmm. and I immediately fell in love and identified with being a multi potential. I, I didn't know what it was, and I just felt stuck and horrible and sick to my stomach because mm. I couldn't commit to anything and what's wrong with me. Yeah. And uh Emily came on that podcast and I just cried because I could finally be understood by someone. And so I checked her out, I got her book, and then I discovered, oh, well, she has this super cool group. Why don't I join it? <laughs> yeah. And I did. Nice. So you did not hear the TED talk is the first thing? No, I didn't. <laughs> Me neither. We're one of the two of the few, I think, who found her in a different way. <laughs> I didn't even realize she had a TED Talk until after I joined the yeah. Putty First. <laughs> How's the experience been for you since uh, you joined? It's been really good. Right after I joined, we had a Putty-thon. And it was so eye-opening because us multi-potentialites are just different kinds of people. Yeah, Like I'm surrounded by specialists. My friends and family are all like specialists pick a thing and do it, normal kind of mindset is what I thought. But then I went to this putty thon and everybody thought differently. And they whimsically thought about which one of my projects do I want to do? And mm-hmm. I haven't had much time for this, but I really want to perfect my, you know, whatever project I'm working on. And it was just like a utopia. <laughs> like you can whimsically choose between different avenues and you love it. Yeah. You have permission. It was great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you, did you participate in that putty-thon? Do you remember what you worked on? I did. Part of it was just, actually a lot of it was just reading books. Hmm. Because I don't, at that time, didn't really make time for it. And it felt really good to do that. And I was kind of trying to get clarity on my business. So I spent a lot of time with that. Yeah. When When I started, I'm like, this is really boring compared to all of the crafty things and baking things and fun things that you all were doing. Well, yeah, but it is about that permission and sense that 
we have all these things we want to do and it could be busy, busy stuff, or it could be, it could be relaxing, even watching a movie or something you've been meaning to do, but giving that time to uh -huh. yourself. I think that's the real gist of the putty-thon is giving yourself that permission, that time to do something that's important to you and blocking that time off for you. Right. So, I mean, I guess if you, it was only recent that maybe you came across the term multipotentialite, that there's a word to describe it. And there's other terms too, but reflecting on that, can you th think back to, I suppose, your childhood or, or a while ago, when the, if there was a moment when you realized you had trouble you know, following the path that people expected you to and, and struggling to fit any one definition? Was that an early struggle for you? Oh, yes. My first indicator, once I realized what multipotentialite was, was probably elementary school age. I was playing horses with one of my friends, and um, I was super into horses. And she had one toy horse, and I had like eight. And I'm like, <laughs> don't you want more? She's like, no, I have this one. Why would I want more? And I'm like, well, they obviously do different disciplines. And if you want to do something, you choose this thing. And if you want, you know, to try this discipline, you do another thing. And she just looked at me like, why would you do that? And I wondered, am I greedy? But now that I know who I am, I just love all of these, I call them whimsical options. Hmm. It makes me feel great freedom to wake up and say, which project do I want to work on in my free time today? And it's my favorite part of being multipotentialite. And then my second indicator was around middle school. I had to choose a track for high school, like which um, kind of path to go on. And I couldn't choose. And it was just paralyzing. And I would cry and not know what my um, niche was. And then I realized later that us as multipotentialites can be paralyzed when needing to make one choice that determines the future. Yeah, big choices for sure. And so, like, I felt strange at the time. And why wouldn't I just try something and leave if it didn't work? But just, I think with a lot of us, the just the act of someone saying, choose a thing long term, we just don't. Yeah, recoil. Mm -hmm. How did you handle that? Uh, or Well, have you had other crossroads like that since in choosing, having to choose things? Um, about 30 times through my career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you handle it? Do you just, just make a decision in the moment? I would, uh, because I'm kind of almost a people pleaser to mm -hmm. people I respect. And so if someone in my family, like my dad said, would say, hey, you would be really good at this thing. You should do it. And I would do it. And then I'd become unhappy eventually. Like I love the thrill of going from knowing nothing to being competent or what I feel is my done competentness. Yeah. And then I would try to make myself do it because that's what they did. And eventually I would just kind of have some breakdown or sometimes it, it took being laid off and forced to leave to really kind of regroup and try something else. Mm -hmm. But that's why I became a career coach strictly for multipotentialites. So hopefully they won't have to go through that cycle forever. Yeah. Well, you've dropped some hints to your, your business thus far, and we'd love to hear more. So tell us a bit about maybe your day-to-day -day and how you've adapted your 
multi-potentiality to your approach to business? To step back to deciding to be an entrepreneur and getting my business, it didn't seem like I was an entrepreneur type at all. I love security and steadiness. And any kind of project-based or entrepreneur thing just felt really scary. But then I think I was pushed into that by default because I would change so much and no job I found was all-encompassing enough to handle that. And also, once I, I think, learned how to trust myself and trust that I will find a way to make it work and I'm not going to, you know, live alone and die destitute in the streets. Right. That's a big step. <laughs> um, yeah. Just getting that self-confidence to know I can make something like this work, even if it has to pivot, mm -hmm. no matter what. And I just realized I was not employment material because eventually I uh, would come into some disagreement with either my bosses or my role where I wanted to switch, but there's been nowhere that I found. I'm sure places exist because um, plenty of multipotentialites are hired. Yeah, that's true for sure. But they may have to adapt mm -hmm. to that job. Yes. Yeah. Um, and decide what kind of jobs they want. But for me, it was became kind of thrilling to have that, to face that risk and trust myself ultimately. Hmm. When did you basically commit to being an entrepreneur at the and, and walking away from any kind of regular employment? One of the things was that I knew I was capable of making a lot of money and impact and status not status in, you know, like a surface level way, but status in like, I feel to myself, I've reached this level of expertise. And it's, you know, great when it's recognized by a job title. But in all my employment situations, there would be some kind of ceiling. And I would work for, I've worked for big corporations and small businesses. But a lot of people who are either owners or higher up than me, I would think, I am way more organized than you. And I know a whole lot more about this stuff. Yeah. And my ceiling's way down here. And your earning ceiling and freedom throughout the day is like, you know, to the roof. Yeah. There's no reason I can't do this too. So I decided to do it. Yeah. What kind of uh, coaching do you do? Do you choose a particular approach or angle to your coaching? In my career coach training, we were taught to lead people through discovering their thing hmm. based on their strengths and then helping them get a job through interview and negotiation. But the only part that I was really passionate was about discovering who you are and overcoming those mental blocks about becoming multipotentialite. And then eventually through having my own coach and learning in books, I figured out how to help multipotentialites harness their, you know, their natural way of thinking and doing so that they wouldn't just become scattered among a bunch of projects. They could kind of find momentum. Right. And the way I kind of see it is a lot of the career training I took looks at strengths and just kind of finds a path. But I think of my life as not like a ladder or straight line to A and B, I think of it as kind of this trail through the wilderness. And you, 
we can run along it to point B as fast as we want to. And multipotentialites can do this too, especially ones that are kind of sequential. But on that path, what if there's another path you want to explore? You can like put a mark right there where you left off, explore that, and then come back to the main path or not. And you can stop and smell flowers or sketch things that you see or learn about something that you saw. And then when you're ready, just kind of pick it up and work on that point B. And we all get there. And it's just a matter of, do you want to take the time to look at things along the way? Or do you want to have one focus and get to point B? Mm -hmm. I like to look at things along the way. Sure. Well, so it's up to the individual to decide what's best for them. Right. But it's about giving ourselves permission to veer off the path if we want to. Yeah. Is it a question of kind of organization, time management and stuff as much as anything, or does it really come down to permission? It's both. I help a lot with time management type things, which is completely different from specialist advice. Mm. But there's a lot of permission if someone's just learning that they are multipotentialite. Yeah. So how do you find the people that you want to work with? I have met... I first worked with them, I worked under another career coach. And so I coached their people and I set up this kind of group coaching within it. And I discovered some multi-potentialites and they had not labeled themselves as such. Right. But I kind of introduced it because this company did not market to multi-potentialites specifically. And so they didn't know they were. But I could see all of them struggled in the same spot. Once they got to a certain phase, they kind of just put on the brakes to specialist advice. And so at that moment, I became determined to, there has to be a way for me to help people specifically like this overcome this block to a career. Is it fundamental then for you to have to essentially teach them what the concept is if if they haven't heard it before? Or do they kind of get it right away? Those people did not get it right away. Hmm. Um, I had to teach them what it was. But even people who are multipotentialite, most of them don't really understand all the different types of multipotentialites there are. Because there's not like, I'm a multipotentialite. I'm under this banner now. And then that's not the end. You kind of Hmm. step into this even bigger realm of holy cow, there's, you know, a dozen or so labels that are out there. And then I come up with my own combination of labels within that. It can be overwhelming. And that's what I try to help people with too. Is the objective, are you trying to help people, you know, find a better job or start a business or just kind of feel more comfortable in their own skin? Or is it depending on the person? I help people identify what they want to do, whether it's entrepreneur or employment or both. I don't work specifically with entrepreneurs because I like the discovery phase of figuring out, you know, what's going on. And I don't have the really interest or passion to go into the later stages, such as business building or negotiating a landing a job. Right. I kind of stay in that first step of who do you want to be and what do you want to have and do 
kind of daydreaming, making some structure to plan progress kind of thing. Okay. In your experience thus far, is it kind of a finite relationship, like with your clients or students? Do you get to the point where in a good way they don't need you anymore? Or is it an ongoing relationship? Um, I try to get them to the point where they don't need me anymore. Personally, I have two different types of clients. One are people that are kind of more ahead and they understand themselves and they have momentum in what they decided to do in their plan. And they need to kind of come back for strategy occasionally. And then there's the people that I help them discover. And I plan on in a few months or so them just not needing me. That's my that's my personal business plan. <laughs> well, that gets into another question then. Where do you see your business evolving, say, over the next, I don't know, couple of years and maybe beyond that? And of course, we usually don't want to think too far ahead as uh, ourselves stay flexible. But do you have a sense of, are, maybe are you at a place right now where you're content or do you find there's still a more kind of fundamentals that you're trying to put together for your business? Both. Um, I used to never have an answer about what do you want one, two, five, ten years from now. Yeah. And I never knew. But just very recently, I figured it out. And I don't know how. I'm really kind of introspective. And I like to kind of figure things out. But I also have, you know, my own coaches occasionally because I don't think coaches can coach themselves. Right. But I found this kind of umbrella job in the form of my business for career coaching multi-potentialites. But then I also have this secondary dream of kind of running adventurous retreats Hmm. and various kind of this group that gets together for monthly learning and fun and retreats. And I need to buy like some kind of lakeside venue for it. So it's a really big project. And I don't think it's a matter of, I want to do this for the next five years. I think it's more of a matter of, I found one of, for now, my big dreams, and it's going to take time to get there. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I will be doing it for five years or so. Sure. So I think I just kind of had to frame it differently, while also giving the freedom to shape it as it'll come out. But I think maybe that's why I have two different projects. One is my business where I can kind of whimsically take where I want it to as, you know, as my clients take it in that direction or as my interests go there and then a separate longer term goal. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it because especially a big, big project like that takes a lot of time and work and money and so on. Logistics. Maybe it's good to have some deadlines, but it's hard to really put a concrete time frame on something like that. It kind of happens when it happens, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I love about it being a long-term thing is that I'm not rushing it. Yeah. Because it's going to take that. I mean, I have a picture of what I want in my head, but I haven't seen that it exists. And so I guess I'm just going to have to keep watching for that lakeside property come up (laughs) and things to fall in place. But I don't have to rush it because I'm happy with my umbrella career right now. Yeah. We were chatting a little bit beforehand about uh, you've been reading a lot about the conscious versus the subconscious. Mm -hmm. Well, do you want to expand on that a bit, I guess, and how that's impacting your work, your business? 
Yeah. So I'm kind of on, since I am introspective, sometimes if I come up with a big question, I just like to ponder it for as long as it takes in the background. Hmm. But I am part of kind of a different multi-potentialite, multi-passionate group. And the person leading it had at the beginning of the year, instead of, you know, my goal for the year, because we're multi-potentialites, we don't like to be boxed in, let's come up with like a word theme for the year. And so I just kind of had this image in my head of, I want to walk around my life with certainty, like with certain faith that what I go for will happen. Hmm. And and it's almost kind of a mindset, but because I'm I'm kind of on this mission to make the money I want to make in order to sustain the life I want, because I don't want to, you know, I've had in my career life, I had a series of just low paying entry level jobs because I would switch so often. Hmm. And I knew that I was capable of more. So I'm like, I want the income to support the life I want. And so I came up with this image of whatever I reach for and try, it just kind of ends up in my hands. And I wanted to walk around with the certainty and faith that if I go for this thing, I want to know it'll happen and believe in myself so much. But then my conscious mind thinks things like, I really want this coaching business and I really want to make you know, this amount of money from my business and I want to be able to help this many people but I don't really know how to make that happen, even though my conscious is like, I know this will happen. But my subconscious, I haven't really figured out how to, I have this visual of if my life was like a party, like a house party. <laughs> and I kind of I kind of got that image from Jen Sincero. She kind of came up with this visual of life's a party. So I'm like, okay, sure. if my life was a party, <laughs> I like her, you're a badass books. Oh, yeah. But if life's a party, I need to let in the opportunities and people and money in order to make that party happen. Because if I don't have the money, I can't make decorations. And if I don't have the opportunities, I can't invite people. Mm. So I know that the people and money and opportunities are out there. How do I let them metaphorically enter the door of, you know, this kind of pretend party? And I thought about this from January to April. And then I just realized that the way that I allow these things into my life is by my conscious and subconscious kind of agreeing with each other. Hmm. And then I like that. And then that kind of made sense because we talk about the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. Cause if I say like, for example, if I didn't feel very pretty, then consciously I would be like, Allison, you are pretty people, you know, like your boyfriend thinks you're beautiful all of this stuff, you should, you know, feel great about yourself. But if subconsciously, if my subconscious is like, you know, you haven't worked out in like a year, really, <laughs> I have to get my subconscious on board for it to say, you know what, you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then my conscious will be like, yeah, you're right, I am. And if they're in disagreement, I'm constantly going to have this self-sabotage cycle. Yeah, conflict. Yeah. But then I realized that our inner voice has to agree with our conscious outer voice. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of make sense? That's how I think you find the people you're meant to work with and associate with. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of the subconscious of essentially doing things, the words you choose, the way you you know carry yourself, which you often, we generally do without thinking, 
but then there's lots of times, especially if we are introspective and think about these things, as many of us do, that you know we're very conscious of the words also that we choose. So those two kind of work together. And I've been finding in my business pursuits, I suppose, which are very new and raw, but it, I find that I do kind of attract the people I want to work with. And I'm feeling more confident that I, if I, if I come across someone, I suppose a potential client or whatever, that I don't hit it off with, I'm less worried about kind of, you know, saying no, no thanks and walking away and not dwelling on the money I might lose and things because it's not meant to be. You have to feel comfortable with yourself and the people you work with. And we have the, I guess, well, the privilege and the ability to to make those choices as, as, as entrepreneurs, basically as, as business owners. So it's a, it's a fortunate position. Yeah, it's that, it's that mix of the conscious and, and subconscious that eventually comes out and it's karma, essentially. It's something that brings in the people that I think we're meant to be around. It really is. For example, if you were trying to work with one type of client, but if your subconscious, that little voice inside, hmm. whatever you want to call it, if it said, you know what, who are you to work with these people? Then you're not going to, you know, bring yourself to be able to talk to them. Yeah. Or if your subconscious was like, you know what, you need people to work with. Who are you to turn down anyone? Mm-hmm. Then you probably wouldn't really be in tune to that intuition of knowing and attracting. Is that where your conscious needs to step in and say, you know, what you're really feeling right now is imposter syndrome, basically something mm-hmm. like that, where you need to challenge yourself to, you know, reach out, contact that person or accept an offer even, and the, which could end up, you know, being a very healthy, productive, uh, nice relationship with someone. So I guess that's where you do need to be conscious of, of the kind of limitations you put on yourself. And I find for me, the objective, especially as a freelancer kind of thing, it's not so much the money, it's having a good relationship with the people I work with. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're off to a good start. Now, <laughs> I hope um, I hope you have your name on our Puttyverse Marketplace sheet. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Because this is a thing we've launched recently. And um, I mean... This clearly ma- the the people in this community clearly matches up with your target well clients basically or people that you would want to work with. Have you considered like I don't know workshops or just other kinds of offers basically that you could uh, put off? It, whether I mean really whether for money or even just experience or something, but um, this is a, it's an opportunity for sure. We have in the Puttyverse currently a job search support group hmm. and. At this time, with just getting started out, I'm leading the discovery phase workshop, but we're trying to design it to be a reoccurring thing. So whenever people are listening to this, we should have some kind of job search support going on. And that's where I get passionate about, we must discover these things and we must show the world how to be multi-potentialite. And, you know, you were worth if you're the kind that bounces around entry-level jobs, you are worth so much more than bouncing around to another entry-level job because you bring this expertise from many, many different areas. And we can make connections where specialist ladder people don't. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Do you have, uh, well, let's, let's find out where we can find you. What's your website for starters? I am therockstarplan.com. Okay. And... 
it sounds kind of out there to most people, but I chose Rockstar Plan because I was working for this one company, this one small family owned company, and their son would show up later in the morning when he felt like it with his cup of coffee, sunglasses on, like he was just some celebrity out partying all night. But he would strut in, sit there for the meeting, maybe say a couple of things that he thought was useful and leave. And I'm like, I am partially offended because you're not really trying, Mm. but I want to bottle that attitude of this is me. I'm walking around and strutting my stuff because I am awesome (laughs) and I feel like a rock star and I'm just going to kind of rock this thing. Was he making meaningful contributions in some way? (laughs) No, (laughs) not, not at all. But in my case, with my clients, I help them to make meaningful contributions. They just need to fill in the second part. (laughs) Yeah, just that attitude of like pictures of an incognito celebrity where they're full of believing in themselves, but they're kind of walking amongst mortals, but having this attitude of I know who I am and I can do whatever I try. Yeah, that's good. Good confidence. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I mean, uh, people can find you there. Do you do any blogging or any social media platform you prefer, stuff like that? I am on LinkedIn. All of the stuff can be found through my website, Mm -hmm. but I do a little bit on all social media, but most of my conversations are pretty organic. I participate in Puttyverse probably most. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite is just organic conversations and find me through my website. Well, I can tell you, I would love to hear more of your thoughts in some kind of a blog form or newsletter. If that's something you've considered, I can give you a vote of confidence that I'm sure we would love to to hear you expand on this. I love that focus on the starting out phase and people figuring out, you know, how to how to even figure out what they they want to do, right, and who they want to be. So that's that's a that niche kind of focus in itself. I think would make a whole great blog slash newsletter in itself. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So we'll uh well we'll keep in touch. We chat often in our mastermind group, of course, but um yeah, uh feel free to reach out to Allison for sure in Puttyverse and on her website. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you today. Thanks, Ted. Thanks.